0: Hello and welcome to Who Watches the World Cup with me, Dominic Archer, and David Bryan. David, how are you? This fine, cloudy Saturday. My Saturday is actually bright and sunny, so I'm in a great mood, Thank you. Oh, Damn. <laughs> well you you've got one up on me already. Uh, this episode of Who Watches the World Cup is kind of, I guess, breaking news. It's it's an emergency episode. I was pretty excited to see this kind of political destabilization happening right in front of our eyes. Because the whole point of this podcast was to take the football and the nation, uh, the politics of the nations involved, and then see how they compare and see if one motivates the other. And it exactly happened as we hope it would. Uh, to yesterday in the match between Switzerland and Serbia. Now, Dave, I haven't had a chance to watch the highlights of the game. What what happened in in footballing terms between Switzerland and Serbia last night? Uh, in footballing
1: terms, it was um, a fight really to see who can keep up with Brazil and try and secure that—not um, maybe not secure because there's still another round of matches to go—but to a solidify a, um, a chance to get through from this group um, ahead of Costa Rica, who are most likely going to finish bottom and are definitely going home anyway, and Brazil, who are who are sitting top and pretty after beating Costa Rica very very late, uh, early yeah. earlier on in the day. Um, the first half of the game was a bit... It was very much Serbia. Uh, they were creating all the chances and Switzerland were really struggling. And it only took uh, Alexander Mitrovic five minutes before uh, he scored. And I think he'd had a one-headed opportunity before that um, saved. But he was giving the Swiss, the, the Swiss defence all kinds of problems in the air, which we'll, um, mm. which, uh, we'll come back to we're talking about the second half because that came into play. Um, but at, at half-time, the Swiss, the Swiss made a change. They uh, took off their striker Seferovic, who had only had uh five touches in the entire first half um, and changed their system a little bit and it allowed the Swiss to play more to their strengths and allow influential players um, such as uh, Jordan jakiri um, into the game um, so the, the shift the shift uh, very much happened in that second half, and um, Switzerland struck back with a really nicely taken goal from Granite Jacker of Arsenal um who hopefully Arsenal fans will be. Thinking they can get, expect a bit more of that because he's, I wouldn't say he's flopped to Arsenal no, over the last two years since he signed for them, but he still think he's, nothing think, really shone as well as they would have hoped. Um, so hopefully this will be uh, something encouraging for them. And then, yeah, to, uh, right at the death, 90th minute, that man, Jordan Shakiri, um, capitalizes on some pretty uh, vulnerable defending by the Serbs, leaving him one on one. And he's always had the pace to beat uh, those that Serbian back line. The um, only next one. 90th minute, and uh, Switzerland take the points. It could be argued, obviously, um, that Serbia should have had a penalty in that second half. Um, Alexander Mitrovic, like I say, was giving them all kinds of problems uh, in the box, in the air, with his his prowess and his strength. Um, And in the second half, we saw what looked a little bit like Greek wrestling or maybe Olympic wrestling in the Oh really in the Swiss in the Swiss box when Mitrovic no well, the way the Swiss decided they were gonna handle Mitrovic was to have two men marking him whenever the ball went in the air. And uh, mm. in this controversial um era of VAR being introduced at this at this level, we've seen it used brilliantly and we've seen it maybe miss a few things, but this uh first of all you can't really understand why the referee didn't catch it at the time. It seems so obvious that two Swiss defenders had both both pairs of arms around Mitrovic in the box as he tried to make a header. And then for that not to be called up by the VAR officials, when it was so obvious to everybody, is it was really quite bizarre. And the Serbs will probably feel a little bit aggrieved um, that they didn't have a chance to uh, score from the penalty spot. But as it stands, Switzerland take the points and uh, football is only part of the story, isn't it, Dominic? Well, it certainly is,
0: and and aggrieved the uh, the Serbians will be feeling today, um, after everything that went down yesterday, because this uh, this match has caught worldwide headlines due to a certain hand action that we have decided to dub "flipping the bird." Uh, done on behalf of, of two uh, of two of the, the Swiss players. Uh, again, I don't want to mispronounce their names, Dave. So I'll leave that to you, our footballing expert. What these players that
1: they're the two who scored goals. Is yeah, each right? of the goal scorers: Granit Xhaka of uh, of Arsenal and Jordan Danzigeri of uh, most recently of Stoke. Stoke got relegated this season, so it's likely he's going to leave, as he is like as we've yeah. seen at this tournament, quite a talented player. So, uh, but for now, he's still a yeah. Stoke player. So we have yeah we have uh jeka and and Shakiri
0: now, what is interesting about these two players is that while they both play for Switzerland while they both have a swish a Swiss nationality, they are both of Albanian heritage with Shakiri indeed being born uh, in kosovo um, which brings with it a certain uh, a certain set of of uh, expectations and hang-ups, when, especially when it comes to the Serbians. So it was with uh, with great controversy that these two players uh, put their hands together, locked locked their thumbs, and formed a kind of bird. They really were saying they're flipping the bird. Flipping earlier, the bird. Forming a flipping the bird uh, with, with the back of their hands as a reflection of the Albanian flag uh, in front of the Serbian fans um they weren't just running around doing it or doing it to each other uh, to fellow albanians they ran in front of the the serbian fans directly and there there is no football player worse than one who taunts the opposing team's fans like that is just low class <laughs> sportsmanship of uh, uh, yeah no at any time that's like so like, come on well, anyway but this is especially controversial uh, in this circumstance because of all of the history, all of the ethnic tension between the Albanians and the Serbs, and especially between uh, Shakiri and-, and Jaka going into this match, where this was something that people were aware could be a problem, but nobody expected it to, uh, uh, to come out. Yeah, well, with and quite, the, the likelihood with of these
1: two players being the ones who scored the two goals and one winning them the game. It's like, yeah. This platform is a unique platform for them to express. Um, their views politically and maybe just yeah. maybe just, you know, represent their heritage on the world stage. But of all the players to score from the Swiss team, it had to be them. It's very unfortunate for the Serbians and very
0: fortunate for us. Because this is exactly what we were talking about, right? The way that your politics will uh, influence the the your uh, the effort that you put in when you play, the heart that you are playing with, the courage that you have going forward and these are two players who really wanted to stick it to the Serbs and they did like Absolutely. even before we go even before we go into the match uh, we were we were discussing before how Shakiri um, on on the the heel of one of his boots he has the Swiss flag the team that he is playing for on the other boot he has the the flag of Kosovo which is really where all of this uh, all of this controversy lies. And it's kind of the the heart of of where all of this has has gone wrong. Um, and what's really what I was not aware of before this was that this is not the first time that this uh, Serbians and Albanians have had this uh, this problem on a footballing a footballing level. Oh, really? In twenty four yeah, in twenty fourteen, leading up to the qualifications for Euro sixteen, Albania and Serbia. Played their first international match together for a hundred years, almost a hundred years. They they hadn't played football against each other on uh, internationally until 2014. Then, when they played against each other, this was uh, this was in Serbia, um, in Serbia, in in Sarajevo. I think they were. Uh, it was Albania versus Serbia for qualification to to Euro uh, 2016. So a drone flies into the stadium in the middle of a match and this drone comes down and draping from the bottom of it is a flag of what is referred to as Greater Albania. Now Greater Albania is is a controversial term which I'll I'll go into describing a little bit more later but it is uh, the flag that ethnic Albanians use to represent not necessarily what their country is but what their country should be. Um, It's including territory that is not technically part of Albania. A lot of it is actually part of Serbia. So this flag flies down saying this is what Albania should be in the middle of a match between Serbia and Albania. Um, And all hell breaks loose. The Serbian player rips the flag off this drone. The Albanian fans go crazy. There's a mini-riot. That Objects are thrown at the Albanian players by the Serbs. The Serbian players and Albanian players go off the pitch. They're guarded to their credit. They're protecting each other from these objects that are being thrown. And, and they get off there. Uh, it's an English referee who's refereeing the match. He says to the Albanians, uh, do you want to go back out there and finish the match? We'll get rid of all the fans because the fans are going crazy. They're rioting. Um, the fans They said Do you want to go back out there We'll get rid of the fans The Albanian players say Absolutely not This needs to end now And that is the last time Albania and Serbia Played each other They didn't even like, Replay a... them again No They didn't even They got 41 minutes Into the match oh. The first match In a hundred years And they call cool it off Ooh. Because of The, the height uh, And the history um, of, of this tension and, and, and rivalry Between these two countries oh, wow um and it is a, a historic rivalry again this isn't something that has only arrived in the last uh, 20 to 30 years we are talking uh centuries actually or well, over a millennia of uh, of bad blood between ethnic albanians and ethnic serbs especially in the area uh, of kosovo which is kind of where we need to focus our conversation today but um it said in Kosovo, ethnic Serbs claim that they settled Kosovo in the 7th century AD. Ethnic Albanians say that they settled it before that. Um then in the 12th century AD, the Ottoman Turks, the, the, the Turkish Muslims, come through Greece. They they take what was Byzantium, it becomes Constantinople, they sweep across uh what, what is now Greece and what is your Macedonia. Uh, bosnia and herzegovina uh, serbia albania all of this becomes uh ottoman territory that whole and baltic region
1: of, was it baltic balkan the whole, balkan
0: region yeah, yeah the, the balkan yeah the balkan region and uh even today it is divided between being orthodox christian catholic christian and muslim and that is the center point uh of this of this discussion um, then if we want to talk about more, more modern history, in 1912, the Baltic Wars are fought between a declining Ottoman Empire and the, uh, the Austria-Hungarian Empire. The Austro hungrians defeat the Ottomans, they take Serbia, they take a, an awful lot of land, uh, and then in 1914, a Serbian nationalist, uh, or a team of Serbian extremists, kill Archduke Franz Ferdinand and spark the First World War. So this, I- this idea of Serbian nationalism, of Balkan identity, is so ingrained, it defined the entire 20th century. Everything that happened in the 20th century can go back to this idea of what is Serbian, what is Balkan, this mismatch of Christianity, of uh, ethnicity, of Islam, all kind of forged into this microcosm of, of, of chaos And it has only become more and more uh, extreme as as the 20th century went on, because then the whole area ended up coming under the rule of the Soviet Union, Um, and then it's kind of quiet over that time. But uh, after the breakup of the Soviet Union, um, all of this land, uh, as well as Croatia, uh, is is considered part of the Yugoslav Republic. Yeah. and the Yugoslav Republic um oh, I need to make sure I find this guy's name because it's very important and I don't want to I don't want to mess it up so it all comes under the control of Slobodan Milichev. Milischev Milischevich Milischevich sorry Slobodan Milischevich you nailed it uh, who I t- th- thank you thank you um who is exactly the kind of genocidal dictator that you would expect the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia to have in 1991 uh, and at this time, we have uh, Bosnia. Uh, Bosnia b- descends into chaos. We have uh, the, we have uh, wars and genocide in Bosnia. Croatia goes completely independent. Um, Kosovo then is a very, a very different case because Albia, uh, Albania successfully uh, sued for for independence. It, it did it peacefully. There was no there was no war that that went on there. But Kosovo is technically an area of Serbia populated mostly by ethnic Albanians. And so it's not actually
1: independent? Again, because they declared independence in
0: 2008, right? They did. But, they, uh, yes. So the, it, it, everything leading up, to, it, it all kind of comes around to to the to the work of of our friend Slabodan, who is desperate to hold on to the the idea of Yugoslavia. And the uh, under the Soviet Union, Kosovo was still part of the Soviet Union, but it had a, a certain degree of independence. There was there was understood that uh that they are. They are technically Serbians, but of Albanian ethnicity. Right. Best just to leave them alone. Um, it's best, you know, just let them do their own thing. But when Slabodan comes into power, Kosovo becomes a hotspot of everything that could go wrong in what he is trying to hold together. And he takes that autonomy away from, uh, from Kosovo and puts it back into Serbia and says, Serbia, you now have full control over the people of Kosovo which does not go down well now again Kosovo and Albania it's not just that they are, they are ethnically different Albania is a majority muslim country yeah um uh, in with uh, in the the last census that was done it is 59% muslim um so Albanians generally uh, are islamic whereas Serbians are orthodox christians so when we are talking about Kosovo, it is just, it's not just that their ethnicity is different. It's that the majority of the people there are Muslim, but they are being ruled by a, a, a majority Orthodox Christian Serbia, um, which creates a whole, other set, uh, a whole other set of problems. So then we come to 1998 and uh, 1999, which is when we have the, uh, the Kosovo War. So, yeah, yeah, particularly. So, remember so, all about this that. is yeah, this is the first war that that I really remember. Um yeah. but Kosovo, there were uh, there was already fighting going on within Kosovo because they had uh, independence movements and militias fighting against the, the the Yugoslavs and the Serbians within Kosovo at that point. But it, the Kosovo Liberation Army is fighting uh, to to for a free Kosovo, but it's not until nineteen ninety eight that NATO gets involved. And NATO has been watching this from the sidelines for for a long time, and the UN has been saying, come on, guys, can't we work it out? Uh, But they can't work it out. And 5,000, like 5,000 at least, uh, Kosovans were executed. Straight up executed by the government. And this is the same time that the same Yugoslav government is committing genocide in Bosnia. This is... Like, this and this is not a government that you mess around with. And this is really where so much of this continued heartbreak comes from. Because these are just families being killed for independence. And one million Kosovans leave Kosovo. They are displaced. They are refugees. They they, they, they flee their home because they, they've got no choice. When is this, did you say? It, Ni- um, 98, 99? This is 98, 99. Ninety-eight, NATO gets involved, and NATO is was set up to by uh, America, the UK, France, other, other Western powers, Italy, um, was set up uh, basically as a defensive measure against the Soviet Union when it existed. It was saying the Soviet Union is not just Russia; it is also Ukraine, Poland, all it is so many countries that we need the uh, the Eastern Bloc has its own thing. We need a Western bloc. So that if the Soviet Union decides, hey, fuck it, we're just going to invade Italy, then Italy isn't on its own. It has... If Italy is attacked, then America, the UK, everyone goes to war to defend each other. But that also means if NATO declares war on you, you're not just at war with Italy, you're also at war with America and the UK and everybody else. So... NATO kind of gets involved because they should really, they kind of should have done to begin with the United nations gets involved a little bit. Um, they're trying to put peacekeepers on the ground. Uh, this doesn't really work. So NATO says to, to the Yugoslav government, they, they, they come in and they go, they, they have a, uh, a, a conversation and they try and negotiate a kind of peace, but it, it doesn't work. And, uh, NATO comes in with a bombing campaign and for a year, NATO just drops as many bombs as possible. Um, and uh, a year later, after one of the most intense bombing campaigns ever, the, the Kosovo is regarded as one of the, the most significant wars of the, the end of the 20th century. Um, just months before the Kosovo Liberation Army goes in, actually walks in uh, the... The Yugoslav leader goes, yeah, okay, fine, 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 and, and stepped down and has, uh, uh, has been tried for war crimes since. Um, but even since then, the UN took on more of a role. There are still UN and uh, NATO peacekeepers in, uh, in Kosovo because it was decided then at this point that NATO really decided that Kosovo could begin to uh, have the negotiations for independence. And it was, as you said, 2008, 10 years later, that Kosovo uh, declared its own independence um, to the United Nations. And it is still, as far as I know, not internationally recognised as independent. Yeah,
1: that's what because, I've read too, especially yeah, by Serbia. Yeah,
0: because the Serbians refused to acknowledge that Kosovo was independent for a, a reason I'll, I'll go into in a minute. But also... They're Serbia's best friend, the people who stepped in to protect them in the First World War. The hosts of the World Cup, Russia, will not uh, recognise that Kosovo is independent of Serbia. Russia is a veto on the UN Security Council. Therefore, when uh, Kosovo tries to say that it is independent, Russia vetoes it. It cannot be internationally recognised by the United Nations. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so it is it is uh a very bizarre situation where you have uh ethnic albanians who feel that they either should be independent or belong without this idea of greater albania that kosovo should be part of the the very greater albania that, that caused such a chaos of the the previous football match um or that they feel that they should be independent whereas for serbia There is uh, not only a lot of uh, a lot of their history built into Kosovo, but also a lot of their churches are there. Um, A lot of, uh, you know, you know, uh, Yunseko, the United Nations, uh, the, the United Nations decrees that certain historical places um, are internationally protected are protected by international law yeah, yeah. this is things like like uh, like the terracotta warriors I, I saw the terracotta warriors uh, a few weeks ago that is a uh, a, a UNESCO heritage site um, it, if it is protected by the United Nations basically no no foreign power can ever attack the terracotta warriors without retaliation from the UN kind of it is internationally recognized yeah. as okay. a place of significance yeah and the for the Serbians a lot of their uh, orthodox christian monasteries and churches are in kosovo and that is where a lot of this problem come from Uh, for example the den sani i'm and i'm definitely pronouncing that wrong well maybe the Denkani monastery was built in the 14th century by serbian king stefan dekansky uh, and and his his mausoleum this is a serbian monastery the uh, with the mausoleum of a serbian king uh but it is built in kosovo again you have the peck monastery it is called by the serbians uh uh I, i'm not sure which one it is one side calls it Pećs, one side calls it peck so it is generally referred to as the Pećs peck monastery <laughs> because that nobody wants to get upset here but these are serbian buildings of of great importance to the serbian people the the uh the official head of the serbian orthodox church is in kosovo so this is this is a place of deep religious importance that the serbians are not willing to to give up and the the ethnic albanians and the muslims know this in 2004 before kosovo declared independence there was uh there was a a a riot the sparked. It seemed like this. It it turned out not to be the case, but it seemed as if Albanian children had been kidnapped and drowned uh, by Serbians. Three Albanian children did drown near a Serb community, and uh, the uh, the Albanians were w- went into a frenzy basically it seemed like the 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 serbians were killing their people um a serb was actually murdered in a drive-by shooting a few days before that and so these tensions they reached a climax they uh violence was sparked and the uh the albanians just destroyed uh churches um the the unesco world heritage site uh our Lady of Legivs. L- L- again, I'm definitely mispronouncing this, <laughs> but this is a United, a United Nations World Heritage Site that was destroyed, that, that had a whole wall just taken out of it. What's the repercussions well, Martin, for that?
1: Surely if it's protected by the UN, there's got to be some sort of... Well, this
0: is it. Now There are... Uh, the, uh, from the research that I did, at least in 2007, so this is before Kosovo was independent, but there were Italian soldiers who guard these monasteries, who guard these churches 24 hours a day. Italian soldiers with guns protect these churches in Kosovo because they know they are targets. These are Serbian Orthodox churches in an area that is predominantly Muslim, that is predominantly Albanian. Um, And what better way to take out your frustration on the people you see as as, as oppressors than... To destroy the reason that they are there in the first place. If these churches were gone, then the reasons the Serbians give for being there is, is much weakened. Yeah, um, sure. But again, the, as we as we we're saying, this is a a uh, 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 a hatred. On, uh, not a, a hatred, but. It's it's difficult to describe because I was trying to think of a good comparison earlier. And traditionally, we would say that that the Scots and the English have that kind of tension between them. You know, there is a historic tension between Scots and, and English for you know the terrible things that we did to Scotland. And and you could say the same for for the British and and the Irish as well. This that is uh, the Protestant and uh, Catholic tension uh in northern ireland yeah. especially in, in in belfast that is the closest comparison i can think of to um to what is going on in kosovo and kosovo isn't just like a a, a city in the same way that the belfast obviously the the northern ireland is is in that wider struggle but but kosovo is, is torn between multiple countries that um that are dragging it one way or the other um, but Albania itself is generally held up as being um, uh, a symbol of religious tolerance. Albania is a country. Uh, Pope Francis was in, went, visited Albania, and, which is a majority Muslim country. Yeah. But while he was there, he said Albania is kind of the poster, the poster child of what religious tolerance should be. Albania has a kind of a, an understanding that uh, in order for its country to survive... That their ethnic and religious differences kind of need to be put to one side for, for the benefit of the country and they work together, they, they worship together, they have a, a, a certain understanding.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. So you so, don't really, there's kind of a reputation of that part of, of Europe for being quite um, frigid in their beliefs, um, especially sort of Eastern Bloc uh, countries. Of uh, can, mm. can be very very anti-gay and anti anti-progression and anti-religious freedom. Mm. So to hear that that's the case in a country like Albania is very, that they're so progressive. That's uh that's quite surprising, and you have to say good on you, Albania.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to I don't want to suggest anything uh, about their politics, particularly. I didn't have a chance to look into how how they uh, whether they are as you're saying more traditional or conservative in in their political views. But when it comes to the Albanians. They have, they have 694 Catholic churches. They have 425 Orthodox churches. They have 568 mosques. Like these, these are very similar numbers. Right. How, big, are the, how um, big is
1: Albania? Comparatively. It, it's probably
0: bigger than you're thinking.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking, well, judging um, by those numbers, I think they must be quite, quite, quite large. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and th- it's interesting that Albania is so successful in this but that its neighboring uh Kosovo and neighboring Serbia still have that um that that tension that the the goes on between the two of them yeah um and i th- i think it is it is coming down to to what you were saying in 2008 Kosovo declared independence um that is still not recognized by Serbia no, yeah. the country that it is part of this again is similar to uh the Catalan uh Referendum that we were talking about before yeah. and about Spain, Spain and Catalan. But in this case, for Kosovo, when Kosovo declared independence, the United States recognised that independence, the UK recognised its independence, the different NATO countries that had fought for Kosovo recognised it as an independent country. But Serbia and Russia did not. So when you have these Swiss players who are, are of ethnic Albanian, of Kosovo descent, who... Who are so supportive of Kosovo, they are wearing it on their boots, yeah well I'm um sure when they 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 are in Russia, the country that that prevents Kosovo from being recognized as independent in the first place, playing against the playing against the country that has prevented Kosovo from becoming independent, that is where these tensions are really coming to a head because this is a a history of religious tension with the with the ottomans with political ideology and ethnic independence with the archduke Franz ferdinand in the first world war this is genocide in one of the bloodiest conflicts of the 20th century in 1998 and in 1999 this is riots that destroy serbian churches in 2004 this is an independence vote that is not recognized in 2008 and 10 years on it still has not been sorted out and I don't know if this uh, if, if Shakiri and, and, and Jaka are just going bring, to bring it back into, into global conversation because Kosovo again has kind of
1: lost its, its place of importance in the 21st century. Um, yeah, I mean it's interesting that they have brought this um, to the global stage in such a such a sim- like a simple way, like a goal celebration, you know it can range from. Alan Shearer running with a finger up in the air, something really basic to crazy, exuberant, complicated choreographed dance moves and things, and then yeah, and then on in the World Cup on the grandest stage of all, a hand motion can set into into the into the public consciousness this huge question. And I think uh, when you were saying about Kosovo, the war being one of the bloodiest and at least most uh, you know the last great conflict of the 20th century great maybe isn't the best movie you know i mean great is enlarged and, and influential um when i think when most people think about kosovo they, they forgot that this was happening and this is not something that has has resolved like you say as much as they've um, actually declared their own independence the nation that's suppressing them is has said no way and if i can like yeah. swing it back towards to football for a second um particularly with um with jordan Shaqiri, like his, his story is interesting and um and his attitude towards um his his place of birth and his heritage um cuz he was born in yugoslavia uh in 1991 but his parents like almost immediately in 92 emigrated to switzerland um hence why he um he plays for them but he made his debut for the swiss side in 2009 so just after that um kosovo uh, claimed its own independence but i think his his uh, allegiance maybe is a little bit uh, more towards Albania as a terms, in terms of nations. Or at least it seemed that way in 2012 when actually Switzerland played Albania in Switzerland in a World Cup qualifier, which Shakiri was chosen for. And he, right. out of character, he didn't, choose, he didn't sing the national anthem before, before the match. And he scored in that game, but he didn't celebrate Almost like in a way where if a player leaves one club and joins another and then scores against their previous club, they decide out of respect to the fans not to celebrate. Well, he's scoring Mm. against a nation where he maybe feels he is a more, maybe spiritually or in terms of his personal culture and family, um, uh, family history, is more of an Albanian than he is a Swiss, despite the fact he's lived there since he was one years old. Um, and in that in that, yeah. in that game, like we talked about him wearing those flags on his boots uh, yesterday, in that particular game in 2012, he has Kosovo, and Albanian, and Switzerland flags on his boots. Interesting. So, he's done, so he has this. He has previous with this kind of kind of behaviour, and um, he uh, because we saw we talked about him uh, yesterday with the Kosovo and the Swiss flags on his boots, and he, he posted that on yeah. social media before the game, which caused a little bit of a. of tension between the serbian players and and some of the swiss players and mostly obviously himself and it was actually we mentioned alexander mitrovic the goal scorer yesterday Mm -hmm. he he came out and said that if he loves this is a quote if he loves kosovo so much and decides to flaunt the flag why did he refuse a chance to play for them so i had a little look into what exactly he meant by that um so it turns out that after switzerland's first game at euro 2016 I don't know why he chose this particular time. His timing is a bit odd on this, but Sherdan Shakiri declared that he would switch his allegiance to Kosovo um, since they had their own national football team, but only if the Kosovo manager would make him captain. Now, maybe, right. maybe the timing of this is due to the fact that he was removed as captain from the Swiss team by the manager, Vladimir Petkovic, um, at that time. Um, so... Usually you don't really see I not I couldn't tell you how many caps he had for Switzerland by that at that point, but usually once you've played more than a couple of times for a country, you can't just switch allegiance. But um apparently there is a FIFA rule, I don't know if it's particular to uh, Kosovo, but he could switch allegiance to Kosovo if he wanted to, um, because they had just joined the uh, FIFA that the year before, I think, Kosovo, um, in twenty fifteen. So if you if regardless of the fact that they're not considered an independent nation uh by I don't know, by the UN or by Whoever, and at least by Serbia, FIFA at least recognises them as an independent nation to the point where they're allowed their own football team and allowed to compete um, in federation controlled competition, mm. which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I saw somewhere. I'm not entirely sure. So I, I maybe I shouldn't even bring it up. But I thought I saw that... Uh, Kosovo, while they are allowed to play friendly matches, um, in friendly international matches, are not allowed to compete, uh, in competitions. Oh, really? Because they are not technically an independent country, so they can, can They can play friendlies against other nations, but they couldn't, for example, go to the Euros. I think. You might want to give that a quick Google to make sure. Sure, so I th- I'm I'm pretty sure I I I read that earlier because I I was thinking the the, the same thing that the uh, that uh, Mitrovic was thinking. This is you know we were saying about how much this means to uh, this means to Shaqiri, this means to uh, to to Jacka. They they care about this so much they risk being banned by FIFA for it because again FIFA in in the World Cup and in FIFA in general. You are not allowed to openly display a political affiliation. Yeah. I guess you can wear... You can bear a flag for a country, because every country is wearing their flag when they play. Sure. But, for example, you, you couldn't come out with, you know, the... You know, uh, a pin with for the Labour Party on it or something. You know, you couldn't come <laughs> out and, you know, just... Or they come out saying, I love the Tories or something, and you you'd get stoned anyway, but...
1: Yeah, this um, happened before. I think where players have worn message political messages underneath their jerseys, and if they score, and they take their shirt off, and they in their on their vest, it's written on their as some sort of message. They can be fined for that. But I've just been looking. Yes. Whilst you've been talking, I've been looking into it. And Kosovo are part of the FIFA qualification. They did. um oh. They were allowed to, to attempt to qualify for this World Cup currently, um, but it says here. Uh, that, so uh, the, uh, the UEFA emergency panel decided that Kosovo will join Croatia, Finland, Iceland, Turkey, and Ukraine in Group One or I. I can't tell if that's in Roman numerals or not. Um, but then they also decided that Bosnia and Herzegovina and Serbia should not play against Kosovo for security reasons.
0: Right. So there there right.
1: was some caveats involved. So they they were they uh, debuted their FIFA qualification campaign and they drew one all with Finland, but um. Obviously they didn't qualify for the, for this World Cup, so they can yeah they can uh, play in UEFA sanctioned matches and there is something called the UEFA Nations League where small nations that are very recently um, declared to be allowed can compete in a little minute micro tournament So there is one um, coming up between 2018 and 2019 with Azerbaijan, the Faroe Islands, Malta um, small nations like that so they at least have a chance to compete on it for some kind of trophy no matter how small. It's still it's still a FIFA sanctioned trophy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting, and um, I I'm excited to see what happens with this further. I d- I don't mean that I hope it flames more tensions, but I'm I'm intrigued to see how FIFA responds if they respond at all. Um, whether there is an apology given, I I feel quite strongly that that Jacko and Shakiri are not going to be willing to give an apology. But if that is the case, will Switzerland themselves punish these players? Because, uh, again, they are representing Switzerland on the international stage here. They're not at the World Cup representing Kosovo. They're not there representing Albania. But wearing the Swiss flag, representing Switzerland, they have gone out and made a contentious, a controversial political statement that reflects badly on the 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 swiss national team yeah that potentially causes more controversy with switzerland going forward because as it is the swiss team fifa could choose to punish switzerland as a country for the actions um, of of these two players
1: yeah i think that's something that they may well have to do because i don't think they want to be seen as a nation that will condone this kind of uh display um especially since we've said like um Various other instances of people displaying political um, preferences and declarations in the in the realm of football have been punished. We talked um, in the previous episodes about Pep Guardiola and the Catalan independence movement and him choosing to wear their symbol on his jacket on the touchline. And no matter how uh, they tried to reprimand him for it, he, he continued to do so. So um, you would hope that if we if we assume that Switzerland are going to take action against Jaka um, and Shaqiri, you would hope maybe they would go as far at least to save face with FIFA and the World Cup as a whole, maybe they can just offer them, offer them, (laughs) they can slap on them a financial fine, perhaps something Mm -hmm. that at least shows that they're doing something. Whereas you would hate to see them feeling pressured into like dropping these players, maybe for the third group game.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Which
1: would be a, it'd be one of those things that if it happened, you'd feel sorry for them, but then, you know, they do have to do something. So I just, but I hope for the sake of football, for the sake of the tournament and for the sake of Switzerland as a team, they will just maybe give him a little slap on the wrist. Um, but then you have to be very wary of how Serbia responds. And, um, mm, and I'm sure FIFA will be very wary of, uh, of any tensions and uh, perhaps any, um, not retaliations, but what the Serbia FA might do in response to whatever Switzerland or FIFA do um, in response to this. Which at the time of recording, I've not, I haven't seen any official uh, response. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's such a, 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 difficult, a difficult position because one of the best things about football and especially about the World Cup is bringing players together from all over the world, giving them a chance to perform, giving cultures and, uh, and countries that you don't normally see, giving them a chance to express themselves and, and share that way. And we've seen the Japanese fans, for example, cleaned the entire stadium. Yeah, after uh, after they played the uh, after they played last week. Yeah, there were some great Which, pictures yeah.
1: of um, the Poland Senegal game as well. I think you brought it to my attention actually before the game, yeah. Poland and Senegal fans were were partying together, were drinking together, were they getting in the World right, Cup right, spirit right. together. And then there were and, also and... great pictures of um, Poland player helping up a Senegalese player off the ground. And I meant, I intimated before about a, a stereotype, maybe it may be an unfair assumption that. Um, people from certain parts of Europe and around Poland and everything—I don't want to. I'm not trying to cause any offense, but there is a a stereotype that they are quite um, rigid in their traditions and don't have a great view towards progression. And I mean, personally, I've known um, young Polish men who do have quite uh, prejudiced views on certain minorities and ethnic groups without any real reason why. Like I, I tried, I tried to question them as to why they they had these feelings about say lgbt lgbtq uh people and co- um, people of color and they didn't really have any personal prejudice and th- these were guys who were into weightlifting and things and some of their favorite bodybuilders were black guy, black americans and yet they would use quite racist language in conversation about these kinds of people and they didn't know why it was almost like it was ingrained in their subconscious mm-hmm. in their culture and they probably grew up around other men um in their families and From their homelands, who had these these views or used this language, and it just becomes a part of their own uh, lexicon without them actually considering what their own opinions are and what what they say, what those words really mean. So it's it's great, like you say, for the World Cup to be. And again, maybe this is that my own assumptions. I don't want to put this on anybody else, but it was great for, for when you told me that Polish fans were were getting along with Senegalese fans, and we saw, like I say, these great pictures of them being quite united. The players themselves being quite united in in Mm. the spirit of the tournament. And that is why this this certain event
0: causes uh, some, I know some some extra problems, some extra tension there, because we have seen people bringing the best of their culture to the World Cup, and England as a nation is the worst for this every time england goes to a world cup some fucking skinhead trashes something and it's like again the headlines i saw going into the world cup were russian police prepare for english football hooligans yeah. and i'm like oh for god's sake right is is that what we bring you know, like, the, you watch the Senegalese, and, you know, they, they've, brought their, they've brought their drums, they're dancing in the stadium, they've brought a certain atmosphere. The Icelandic team, you know, even if it's just the thunderclap, that's a part of their culture now, their footballing culture, yeah. that they have brought, that they have shared, that is interesting, that engages the rest of the world. Definitely, in terms of that jubilation,
1: like, I think that's a great part of African football itself, because we've seen that with Senegal, we've seen that with Nigeria... Uh, they mm. they do bring this amazing party atmosphere and they, they're constantly dancing and singing throughout the games and outside the stadiums. And it would be a great shame if uh, the way people view English football fans is in that hooligan mentality. And But I think maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe that is how we're seen, but then not because of some unfounded stereotype, but because based on all the previous major tournaments of the last 10, 20 years, that's exactly what the world has seen. Um, yeah. I've just been reading an article actually about how Russia was preparing for fans and in a more aggressive way. And they particularly pinpointed um, the Confederations Cup, which took place a few years ago in Russia and English fans who went out there and they all, uh, the people they spoke to in this article did point out that they had some reservations about going because there are plenty of videos online of Russian ultras um, having bloody battles in the, in the forest just because they support two different teams and very orchestrated and militaristic fashion and they're worried about you know oh is this going to happen similar to what happened in euro 2016 uh when it seems that a a very organized group of russian um let's call them hooligans attacked english fans and the obviously the first story that comes out the first reaction is oh english fans involved in violence in uh, a major tournament again and then it turns out that witness accounts and the police records show that it was actually the russians who attacked the english and that probably only made people more nervous a couple of years ago going to Russia for football. But then all these fans who went to Russia from all over the world, Chilean fans um, as well, they couldn't be have been more impressed by how under control uh the Russian authorities had these things and how well organized they were. Um Russia didn't do too well in that in that tournament, if I remember. They lost, I think, their first I think they lost at least two or three games. Um and but then the Russian, the police, and the stewards were very well organized in letting uh, home fans, uh, the disappointed home fans, leave first. So all the Russian fans leave and are shepherded towards wherever they're going, to tra- transport, and then the away fans can be let go afterwards separately. And there's no mm-hmm. danger of clash happening. And it's at, the, at least so far at World Cup 2018. I've not heard any stories of any fans clashing. Um, outside of stadiums or even in in the stadiums which we've also seen at previous tournaments
0: yeah yeah and it would it would be a shame for uh an event like this with uh with Jaka and and shakiri who are trying what they're trying to do is to represent uh, a minority view here they're trying to show the highlight again the people of kosovo and to say as it may even to say to serbians it's not just about insulting serbians it's about going you know Hey we're here you know we're represented
1: yeah it's about um, it's a bit of personal pride a bit of family pride and and, yeah, and like yeah, like yeah. Shakira I mean Shakira played it down afterwards saying it was just the emotion of the occasion but mm. if you look at um Granit Jacker's story where like his his parents are Albanians who are from a, a town in a city in Serbia who moved to Switzerland before um Xhaka was born so he was born, he was born in Basel so he is he's full Swiss in his own birth if his parents were Right. Albanian, but I don't know if you've read that um, while his father was a student, he participated in demonstrations against the Yugoslav rule of Kosovo, and he was uh, sentenced to three and a half years in jail. He was held yeah, um, kind of unfoundedly. Uh, so to, for that, for him personally to have this opportunity to represent his family on this, on this great stage, um, you would think... Yeah, good on you. I mean, you are, yeah. you're doing your family yeah. proud. And you, yeah. But then you're, Actually, you're also playing the, the same token in terms of representing Switzerland properly. You are, you're playing for that country of your birth and you're playing well. You're doing well. You're winning, uh, you're you know, helping your team win the, the, the game of football. So it's not like these two players are going out and going, you know what, this is against Serbia and we want to make a statement And it's, but we're not go- it's going to take... Precedence over the football mm. you know so at least they're, they're doing what they do best they're expressing their talents and balancing that with a bit of um i don't know what you would like to call it but uh national pride. national cultural identity yeah exactly those yeah. things yeah 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 i just I, re- I
0: really hope that going forward we don't see the world cup or, or future tournaments end the way say the, the first match between Albania and, and Serbia did. You know, it's like they, these, are, these are historical tensions that still have, that are still important, that still need to be addressed. Yeah. But um, I, I really hope that, that we don't see more of, uh, more history impacting the future, especially not with a, an event like the World yeah. Cup. Yeah, I mean, where, I can't see it happening that is, in
1: Russia, at least, the way the, how, how well yeah, organised and yeah. how, how seriously Putin has taken the way this tournament is viewed around the world, and how he wants the, he wants this to go off without a hitch. He wants Russia to come off as being um, compassionate and welcoming, and friendly, and well organized. Mm. So I don't, I wouldn't expect anything like that in this tournament, at least. But yeah, it would be mm. a great shame to see events like what you uh, what you were talking about ever happen again. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a nice conclusion to
0: have come to. The players, they did something a little bit crazy. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, to seeing what happens with it, and, and um, I'll be very excited to see the next time Albania and, and Serbia play each other, hoping that more maybe we can get more um, uh, more we can enjoy the, the beautiful game and, and embrace what it does in bringing us together rather than, than tearing it apart. Maybe it would yeah. be a better idea for them for them to play in a neutral country. That can unfortunately no longer be Switzerland. Um, <laughs> Switzerland is normal Switzerland normally is the neutral country, but now it seems that the, that neutrality has been violated somewhat. Wow! Yeah, I imagine but that's when...
1: got, uh, what a what an unprecedented event in the history of the uh, of the Swiss. Suddenly, yeah. They... well, they st- they've still got their
0: Nazi gold, so I'm sure they're not <laughs> complaining about it too much. But. Uh... But thank you for for listening to Who Watches the World Cup. We'll be back next time, hopefully with um, some more analysis of Brazil and just what's going on with them. uh, With Messi? Uh, Are Argentina even going to make it, Dave? Will Argentina even get through to the next round? Nobody knows. It's an exciting time, an exciting tournament.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm
0: really enjoying it so far. It's been a terrific spectacle. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.